We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Episode 11 of our season two Ted Lasso rewatch, the penultimate episode. We are almost at the end of this ride. And joining me tonight, as always, my co-host coming at you from an undisclosed location in Arkansas. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you doing? Thank you for mentioning that part. (laughs) Good. How are you? I'm doing doing wonderful doing uh, actually, you know what? I'm doing okay. This episode, even like on rewatch, this has me has me feeling a little uneasy. This one um, this one was tough. Before we get into it, where can people find all the content over it for the win? <laughs> you can find all the content at fpw.usatoday.com or I've probably retweeted it on my Twitter account at Alex McDaniel. Everyone go check out that content. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Shout out to our producer level patrons, Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, and James Kowalewski. Big shouts to everyone who's joined the Patreon. Support the show, get episode notes, vote on movies, patrons choice topics, stickers, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash big screen sports. Let's get into it. Ted Lasso, season two, episode 11. Midnight Train to Royston. A billionaire football enthusiast from Ghana makes Sam an unbelievable offer. Ted plans something special for Dr. Sharon's last day with the team. Motherfucking Nate does some super (laughs) shitty things. Alex, this episode, we, this turned up the, the tension and the drama in this season of Ted Lasso. I am much more, I think things are much more up in the air this season than they were at the same point last season. Your thoughts wrapping this one. Oh, totally. I mean, and my mind is not exactly evolved these days, but this time last season, that was the big episode Rebecca came clean, right? Yes. Wasn't that, the, that was like, you know, like the climax of the season. It was like, oh, okay. She was finally honest with them about it. There's so much going on now. Mm-hmm. And even they, they do like a callback to that episode with her, wearing yellow in his office and telling her about Sam, but like, this is just so much packed into 48 minutes or whatever it was. And I don't know how they're going to, I don't expect them to resolve all of it in the final episode, but they're going to have to give us something where we feel like, okay, we can wait a year before we see what happens. Which is really interesting because Ted season one, I feel like resolved most everything we needed to resolve. Like what was our biggest anxiety? Like, are they going to get relegated and kind of what's happening with Jamie and man city, like Roy and Healy are you know, that's going to happen. We're, we're good there. We're solid there. It's pretty much, it, it kind of leaves us on this note of yes, they're now getting relegated, but you know, Ted's coming back. Like we we've got work to do. Rebecca, you know, that Rebecca's not getting rid of him, whatever. And now it's like they've got so much to wrap. And there's so much uncertainty that I my 
like my anticipation for this finale, which if you're listening to this day of, you know, day this drops is probably, you know, is in, it's tonight. Uh, I, I, I have no idea where they're going to go with it. I don't either. And I mean, I've told you, I've shared with you, like one of my galaxy brain theories. I'm not confident enough in it to share it with the public. <laughs> like this is the first one that I really don't have much of a, an idea, even like an idea that's just outlandish for myself about this. Cause I really don't know what they're going to do with it. They just set up so much in this one. When we get to the end of this episode, let's, let's do some, I mean, obviously questions we want answered, but let's, let's throw out some, some yes. theories, some thoughts. Um, I mean, this one is like, God, I mean, for, for best scene in this one, I didn't. So last, last episode, we had the standout scene. It was like when, when you, Corey and I all agreed, it was that, that back and forth, Ted and Rebecca, September 13th, 1991, that scene. I don't yeah. think there's anything in this one that was that powerful or that instant, like this is it, but there's so much there. There's almost every part of this episode is really, really good. And also tells us something important or develops the plot in some way. This was a very, very jam packed episode. What stood out for you as the best scene? Was it, was it easy for you to pick a best scene or is it a little more difficult this one? I think, I mean, it wasn't like difficult. I do have a best scene. I'm not saying it's the best scene of the show. I'm saying for me personally, I think we all know I've gravitated toward Roy and Keeley worse than all. And I just thought the scene with them on the couch was so beautiful and so well done. And, and I really want to talk about this because it's not just because it's Roy and Keeley. So we have this setup to where she's got this photo shoot, typical Keeley. We see Roy go to Phoebe's teacher's classroom because she, because he thinks he's got to pick her up at the half day. He ends up spending three hours with her. And there's not any like inappropriate things happening it's just very clear they have chemistry and then when she says to him are you married and he says no and says nothing after that again not a crime he didn't lie he just omitted and I thought that was interesting and then I was worried were you worried when that was going on because I've already had this worry with them with like the Jamie thing and I was kind of like what are what are they setting up here because like the teacher I feel like one, the teacher would know that he's dating Keely. They're both very famous, but I don't know. I, I was kind of, I was like a little uneasy. I was like, what's going to happen out of this? And then that older teacher, she, she was all about Roy. <laughs> he loved Roy with her little candy pockets. No, I wasn't nervous because I had a feeling going into it. They're not using this as a device to show us that he's going to cheat on her. They're using it to kind of be the answer to what happened to Keely in the last episode. It's not that she doesn't love Roy. It's not that she doesn't want Roy. It's just like I said last week, my whole passionate defense, like she saw her chance to get unrejected. I think there are unanswered questions for her about Jamie. I don't think Roy has any doubt about Keely. I do think her celebrity lifestyle is at odds with everything he likes. And so I think, um, what's her name is Bowen. I think she represents to him, what it would be like to date somebody more grounded, you know, but it's not, again, it's not a rejection of Keely. I just think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he's flirting and he remembers what it's like to be interesting to somebody on a level where, you know, he's a famous footballer and she's a teacher. Whereas Keely, I think that the playing field was a little more level there. I wasn't worried about it. I just, I felt like it was a thing to show us he's got so many answered questions too about himself, you know, mm-hmm. that she's not alone in that. And so when it culminated in the photo shoot scene, of course, he says most wonderful things to her. And he's like, you're incredible. You're amazing. I don't think any of that is wrong, but then they're looking at each other and they do the back and forth. And she's like, Nate kissed me. And of course he's not going to care about that. He's going to find that funny. Nate yeah. is not a threat. He couldn't be, he couldn't be, yeah. He couldn't be less threatened by Nate. Exactly. But then he uses that as a jumping off point to say, I was, I spent three hours with Phoebe's teacher today and she's instantly a little rattled. And then she takes the opportunity to, you know, drop the Jamie bomb and he's hurt by it. And you can tell. Okay. That was my reaction too. I was like, Roy doesn't look, I feel like last season's Roy Kent gets like angry, gives us the growl, but I'm I'm glad you're on the same page. I feel like he just looks sad. Yeah. And I think that there was this one look and I I know I overanalyze all of this, 
But at first he was just kind of, I think he was stunned. Then he sees her chin quiver as if to say like, I'm a little confused by it. Like clearly she doesn't find that laughable. Mm-hmm. She's like, can you believe some love? It's when her chin quivers that he kind of cocks his head a little bit. And you can tell he's really, it suddenly hit him like, oh, this isn't a done deal. Like we, we have some questions we need to answer. I just thought it was done so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because it, it comes after that beautiful scene where he's, he's reaffirming her. Keely, yeah. Keely Jones, the independent woman. We get a call back to that, that wonderful moment from, from the previous season. Um, I, I will say I feel better about Roy and Keeley than I did last episode. Yeah. I, I think I feel, I think I feel better about this again. going to leave the, going to leave the theories until the end, but I, I feel, I feel better. Um, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot else in this one. Um, I am, I am not picking one scene. I'm not going to roll that way. We only have two episodes in this podcast left. Why not? Why not talk about a lot? Need to talk about something that was all over Twitter. Uh, bye 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 practice, which is wonderful. Wonder. Okay, so are we are we in agreement? Phil Dunster was doing was doing the most with the with the bye bye bye. He is he is really into it. I feel like he he had it down, and I think you you see his looks, you see his accent, all that stuff. Like he could have been in one of the had he been born twenty years earlier, could have been in a in a late nineties boy band. Let me tell you something. Did you ever hear of the boy band Westlife? They I did were not like, hear the boy band Westlife. They were one of the boy bands like of the UK. And I know one of our what four British listeners is going to come back and give me like their whole biography and I'll, I'll welcome it because my knowledge of them is very minimal. But they were a very big deal. <laughs> so when I think about Jamie and boy bands, that's what I think of. But like, I was not merely an NSYNC fan. I was the NSYNC fan. I went to multiple NSYNC concerts, been to multiple Justin concerts. I like was in line at the Walmart and West Memphis, Arkansas at 5 a.m. every time their albums came out. So like seeing that was more than just, oh, that's a pop culture reference was my entire life. <laughs> it was like colliding my teenage years with my adult years. And that I loved it. I love Ted with the like a marionette. That's why the album is called No Strings Attached. Just they're just diving deep. It's it's funny, like I'm sure there there are bands or you know boy band. I know um, what's the what's the K-pop band that's really big right now. I I I can't remember which one. The uh, they're all big. They're I all know, big. They're wow. super big. But like I can't. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to tell someone who's growing up now. Just like when when you're not surrounded by social media and you know, all content from all different directions, just how big NSYNC was just everywhere, everywhere. It's a really it. fun, it's a really fun callback. And like what it happens when our kids watch this and they're doing that, like the, it won't mean the same to you. It's just like, and we're going to be in the back. She's like, you guys don't know how big they were, how important this scene is. I will never understand just how big NSYNC was. And it was more than just their music. It was the fact that Justin and Brittany were together. And like, my first love was Lance Bass. Clearly they didn't work out for either of us. (laughs) I I was obsessed. And I think like, I was one of those though, in the beginning, I liked NSYNC when it was cooler to be a Backstreet Boys fan. So it took no strings attached to it. I love how this is now an insane podcast. Literally. Yeah, we, we're <laughs> actually, I guess it's a good time to announce that we're on Thursdays now. We're just talking about NSYNC. Just NSYNC. But all I'm going to say is that album and that single catapulted them into superstardom. And the Backstreet Boys never touched them again. Fight me on that. No, you're right. I mean, oh. it took them, took them to a different level. It was great. It was great to see the, the team work in that. Again, Phil Dunster, what a, what a phenomenal dancing performance. <laughs> What an um, amazing guy. So we need to talk. There's really two two other themes that we need to really touch on. That's Ted and Dr. Sharon. And then that's Sam, Edwin, and Rebecca, what has turned into a little triangle in, in a ways. Who do we want to touch on first? Let's start with Dr. Sharon. Dr. Sharon. So Ted, yeah. our beloved Ted, is instantly feeling very abandoned. By Dr. Sharon. They're both Ted and Dr. Sharon, both huge fans of the Irish goodbye. Yes. Which who among us? Yeah, I mean, but. a great, honestly, like 
a move that as a as a grown as a grown person now like i'm a huge fan of that at like a bar i mean i can't even remember the last time i was like in a bar in a situation to irish goodbye someone but i do just love like the the taking a sip of a beverage putting it down locking eyes with maybe one person short nod get the fuck out of there yes it's smart and with like the thing is the whole reason we're even talking about Bobby Bye is because they were preparing that for dr sharon so obviously ted you know they had this big breakthrough last week and then they come to this week, they're leaving, he's collecting cash for her. They do a choreographed dance and come to find out he goes to her office, which is Higgins' office, and it's now his office again. And she just left. And it's more than just an emotional thing or an Irish goodbye. Like she was giving him treatment. And it's weird to me because even though obviously we don't get into the minutiae of this, but you can't just treat someone and bail. You at least need to refer them to somebody. Like you don't just have a breakthrough with someone about your father's death <laughs> and like, all right, well, I'm going to leave now. The week before Ted had told her things that he might not have ever told anyone ever. It's not out of the realm that he did not tell his, his ex-wife what he told Dr. Yeah. Sharon. Exactly. And that's actually, wow. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a really good point. I mean, I'm sure he did to some extent, but I don't think he's talked about, he probably never talked about it in detail the way it happened. Like I'm sure it was, well, Sorry, I dropped my pen and got very excited. Um, <laughs> sorry, everyone. Um, but yeah, I could just see Ted being the type that it's kind of like it unraveled with Sharon, where he finally gets to the point where he's like, my dad killed himself and he left it at that. And then we get, you know, layers. It's unraveling all of that. And they had, you know, they had gotten at least close in a professional way, but also in a personal way. And we could talk ethically about what that means all day, I guess. But it just, it seemed weird, but she did leave a letter that we'll never yeah. know the contents of. I know. I was about to say this is it's like Lost in Translation. Have you seen Lost in Translation? At the end, it's like what no. did he what did he whisper into her ear? Well, it's it's the big thing of Lost in Translation. What did he whisper? Now it's like what did she write? And oh, if if Jason hadn't already won the Emmy with his performance last episode, I think just the performance of reading the letter. And again, it's a he's been so good at these 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 physical performances as Ted, yeah. the way he, the way he handles his emotions, the way his emotions shift in his face. And as he reads the letter, you can tell line by line, the impacts it's having on him. And it changes his, him from annoyance and betrayal to genuine emotion, you know, tears. And it's, it's a really, it's a really powerful moment. But when they said, when Dr. Sharon like left abruptly and there was no goodbye or anything like that. It made me wonder at first if, cause you had mentioned, you know, they, they left a lot of clues with wine bottles and spilling wine and stuff like that. My thought was, did she go in her treatment or something like that? And it's like, no, it seems like she was just kind of dipping, but like you said, like she should have, she should have set Ted up with something. Like, I don't think that letter solved all those issues. I also think it's odd. And again, like we don't know the background of everything, but, it started with her just being there, what, a day dealing with Danny, right? And then came to be the whole season. Why wouldn't they just renew her? You know, like, mm -hmm. it's just, I feel like it's just a weird, the whole, like, her leaving thing was very strange to me. Yeah, it's like, where it did she get a, how did she get a better paying gig than being the sports psychologist for an EPL team? Yeah, which I mean, you know, like she had alluded before that she's in corporate housing. So clearly like, they were paying to put her up. And maybe it was just they didn't renew her for whatever reason. But you would think, I don't know, you would just think Ted, especially the way that he opened up to her, that he would push for her to stay. Mm -hmm. You know, like he wanted her gone in the beginning because he hadn't dealt with a lot of that and he hadn't dealt with a lot of things about himself. I don't quite understand that. But for what it's worth, the IMDb page for Ted Lasso says that she's going to be in the finale. So knew we'll I could knew I could count on you for that one. And didn't did they update that? Because didn't you say a while back that her last episode was a certain was a certain one? Yes. Well, at least it didn't have her listed on the last few episodes. They so, were messing oh, no. with you and you specifically with that one. I think they were targeting me, honestly. But Alex McDaniel has been personally victimized by IMDb. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And, you know, those things are always, like, up in the air, and, like, it changes, so who knows? I just know that's what I saw today. So Yeah. yeah. We'll see. 
So let's roll into Sam and the billionaire from Ghana, Edwin, and this the secret that he's still carrying with Rebecca and how that influences his decision. Um, this guy is a level of rich that is, I remember I was listening to Bomani Jones's podcast. Um, I can't remember when I listen to it all the time. And he was talking about like being a level of rich where you wear a new pair of socks every time. Like you never not, not have a new pair of socks or a new pair of underwear, which is like an awesome level of rich. This is yeah. a level of rich I, and I don't, I don't think Bobani said he did that. I think he just said he was, he was thinking about that, that kind of level. Uh, I, I just want to want to stand up for that man who I don't know <laughs> at all. Um, but this guy is a, it, I mean, a whole new level of rich, like lots of, lots of very funny rich jokes, but the fact of like hiring actors for everything and doing the pop-up Nigerian museum and rolling out the red carpet in the richest way for Sam and also having a designated handshaker. Yes. I mean, it was incredible, which I love Sam Richardson in general. I just love like the talent they're able to bring on the show now. But um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I loved the whole like <laughs> with the motorcade with the helicopter on the field. I thought it was so great. It also like obviously it forces Rebecca to confront Sam and how not only how she feels about him, what she's going to do about him being there. And so it was. Yeah, I really like the storyline. I love the idea of they saw him, you know, affecting change earlier in the season with the jerseys, right? And him seeing him as like wanting to bring back Africa's best players and start to, like I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I personally think Sam should do it. Yeah, that that was the thing. I was because we we saw what the what the the subject for the episode was before we watched it, obviously. And it was like, uh, you know, the English, the Premier League, you know, you and I noted huge soccer fans, big disciples of the sport. Um, You know, we both know that that's that's the place to be is uh, the Premier League or the Champions League where they are now. It's kind of like the peak is is what I assume uh, is what it seems to be. And so this guy was going to have to make a very, very convincing, a far beyond monetary case for Sam, because we, Sam is, Sam is not very motivated by that. I don't, I think if they would have had, they would have wrote, you know, wrote this part and he's just like, Sam, I'm going to make you the richest soccer player in the world. I don't think that's effective. And I don't think Sam takes it. Sam loves rich Rebecca aside. I think Sam, you know, I think we've, Sam has shown that he loves it here and he's got star power probably beyond Richmond at some point. But the fact that they make it this, this compelling case for him. And I, I agree. I think in a, you know, it seems like something he should really consider and really probably do. And Sam has mentioned a lot. Of, there's been a lot of homesick plot lines with Sam. They've been laying this out since season one. So this yeah. is a chance to go home. He's very, he's close with his family. His, his home matters to him a lot. So this is, um, you know, th- they've made this very compelling. That one's up in the air. It would not shock me if he leaves at the end of this season. Yeah, and I think it's also really selfish for Rebecca to do what she did at the end of the show. Personally, like I, I think, agree, that is in the, know, that is again. In the again, like I'm on record as I don't agree with this. If he were in another club, I don't, I don't care. But you know, I just think to show up on his doorstep after he's had a day and he's already got so much weighing on him, including the fact that she's sort of done a soft break with him, and she's like, what does she say, like? I can't, I don't know what we are and I can't tell you not to go. I just hope you don't. That is so, it's again, it's like Jamie level selfish. Mm-hmm. You're only saying that to make yourself feel better. You're not saying it to improve their lives at all. It doesn't show a, it doesn't show a care about Sam because if you really cared about Sam and how important this choice is for 21 year old Sam, this could redefine, this could redefine his entire life, this choice at 21. Yeah. And it just, it complicates it without helping it at all. I just feel like when you have as much money as Rebecca does, like, so what if it moves away? First of all, it's better for you. It keeps you from looking terrible for dating somebody who works for you. But also, like, you can fly to him. He can fly. You can still see him. It's unfair to put that on somebody that they have to give a potentially life-changing job change just so you're more comfortable. It's just selfish. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, Let's take I'm gonna a get quick. So many hateful DMs, by the I way. I don't I don't think so. Because <laughs> I think a lot of I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. I so Rebecca comes in, we have that scene. Rebecca comes in to talk to Ted. And it's that parallel of the scene, which even she acknowledges the parallel of the scene from the penultimate episode from season one. Which is foreshadowing, by the way, because it's gonna happen again in season three. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) Um, so we were watching Jacqueline and I were watching this episode right before we started recording, and she mentioned that Ted is not embracing this he's supportive but he's also keeping this at arm's length he's not saying he's not giving the go for it you two are great this needs to happen blah 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 it's it's great if you guys are great that's great you know has the great you know the great line that i'll talk about later it's you know no one is really like all in yes 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 like keely is supportive keely's excited sassy's excited whatever like they're all you know giggling at the funeral but I don't think anyone is like, this is something that absolutely needs to happen. You know, go to her or go to him. Yeah. Well, I think too, it's because she hasn't asked the question, is this the right thing to do? Like, am I doing something wrong? And I think that just shows like good friends. And we can argue all day about like a good friend would get in her face and say, this is unethical. Rebecca's smart. She knows. She knows. And so I'm just of the opinion, if you know someone knows better, and they're not asking you the direct question. Well, in this case, I don't want to open this up to like, if you're friends with a criminal, but like, if you're friends with somebody who's going through a little ethical moral dilemma, that's generally harmless, just, you know, it's affecting these two people. You know, you don't want to endorse it because whatever, but you can find a way to be like, look, I'm not going to fight you on your own decision. But it's also a way of saying, you've got to own your own stuff. Don't come back to me in six months and say, well, you said it was okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's insurance too, right? It's yeah. just like, if you're going to do it, I'm not going to stop you, but you're smart enough to know if it's right or wrong. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm yeah. very, very interested to see where this goes. Let's take a quick ad break because then I want to open up post ad break with, I would say the most dramatic and intense moment of, of the show, perhaps the season. Let's take a quick ad break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. Um, Alex, you had a tweet after this episode that Trent Krim, something about Trent Krim not being a good journalist. We had basically the, the the climax of this episode, the end of this episode, where Ted gets a text from Trent Krim, although he has to announce himself as Trent Krim because Ted didn't have the number saved. Trent Krim, the independent. Odd. Odd. Alex, Alex has a theory on that one. Uh, <laughs> and he shows him the article that, you know, that, that he is going to run and what seem you know that's gonna gonna run in print somehow in like six hours which you know giving ted that i i work for a newspaper it's impo- it would be impossible to change that story what are, what are we doing um but uh but he he also says that the source of ted having a panic attack or the source who told him about it was nate he names his source he burns his source something that probably stephen godfrey probably caught on fire when he saw that scene <laughs> What and I and I know you did too. I know you had some 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 thoughts about that one. Lay them out for me. First of all, and I need to 
<laughs> okay. So there's like a joke I have with my friends. Whenever I start a sentence with, first of all, it's bad news. Because <laughs> like I'm about to burn something down. That's not the case here. I just want to like the West Virginia it. TikTok guy. All right, here's the situation. <laughs> here's the situation. Okay. No. So preface this by saying for our four British listeners, obviously press standards and ethical standards in the UK and the US differ greatly. We know that. However, I do think the reason why I and many other people gravitated toward Trent is because he didn't come off as a tabloid journalist. Like he was real, you know. We know what to expect, and that's fine. So I have a few issues with it. I need to go back and rewatch the scenes because there's been like a discrepancy against what he actually said. When I watched it, I took it as him saying, this is online. He didn't say that, but he he pasted the link. This is online. It's going to go to print tomorrow. Someone said, a few people said, they think that was just a preview. But that's not really how the internet works. Like you would have to have access to the server if you were. When he also said it's going, did he not say it's going to print tomorrow as well? Like well, that that's paper what I thought was he already said. being like, printed. Yeah, like I thought he said this is going to be in print tomorrow, but he sent him the link, like to the online version. Mm-hmm. You you can't send someone a preview without either the link being live, or which. I'm not discounting that could be possible, but usually like news organizations will not have that. Or if you have something that's, you know, if people are logged in to the CMS, they can look at that. Now we're getting a little too in the weeds. But so I guess my interpretation was like, this is already online. It's going to be in print tomorrow, which is like old school journalism talks. Like the bigger story is going to be tomorrow. So the whole premise is he had a panic attack based on something one source told him, even if it was date, it could have been beard. You don't run that without confirmation. And it's not enough to go to the source and him say no comment. That's not him denying it or confirming it. It's irresponsible to run that story with one source saying, oh, this is what happened. Because the natural question, well, how do you know it happened? Well, he said it happened. Okay, was anybody else there? Like you have to answer questions so people can confirm whether, you know what I'm saying? It's not as simple as the assistant coach said it, let's run it. Also, does that source have motivation to maybe make possibly make something up about Ted? Yeah, we know Nate's not making it up, but that source, Nate, I mean, as we said earlier in the episode, date Nate now has some motivation to want Ted not to be the head coach. So my argument about this is Trent says, because I'm a journalist, I need to tell you this as if that's ethical. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm ethically obligated to write this about you. So it's good enough to go to print with. But he has enough of a red flag about Nate to say, I'm going to burn him and let you know that he's the one who did it. Trent doesn't have malicious intent. Trent, like, they're setting it up anyway, that Trent thinks he's doing the right thing by telling Ted, oh, Nate did it. So if you know it's wrong, Trent, if you know it's wrong enough that you're willing to burn a source, why are you running with it? Which also, it would have taken Ted all of 45 seconds to figure out who the source was. It's not going to be Beard. Beard would go to the grave with Ted's secrets. It's not going to be Roy. Roy is is too much of a stand-up guy and frankly does not care enough. Like Roy doesn't meddle in other people's business. It's obviously Nate. It's not Dr. Sharon. It's it's obviously Nate. Like it would have taken Ted no time at all. And I am I am kind of surprised when we we talk about it and when we get out of the the actual show. So I am surprised that this is the choice that was made by the showrunners. Well, again, we always kind of get proven, not proven wrong, but we always get shown the reason after we question it. Yeah. I mean, we, we could be, we could be eating shit on this here in like two days. Well, we haven't made any conclusions on it. I'm not eating anything. <laughs> like there's a reason Trent or whomever was the texter. And that's all I'm going to say. There's a reason they wanted him to know it was Nate. There's a reason. So like, if you as a journalist feel like this is my ethical obligation to run this story and there's my source and I'm, I'm hanging my integrity on them because you are, it's your byline. You're hanging your integrity on that guy. But you think he's enough of a scoundrel that you're going to burn him? It doesn't add up. Someone here is out for Nate. And I'm not saying they're wrong for that, by the way, because Nate is clearly made himself into a villain. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Someone's out for Nate. This smells like Rupert. 
So you have, does, okay. It? So, so you texted me, I am going to present your theory. Cause now the more I'm thinking about <laughs> I it, I, I think I'm, I think I'm actually kind of getting on board with this. You mentioned okay. it, it, the, the number was not saved. So you said it's weird that, that, that Ted does not have Trent Krim's number and everyone knows how Trent Krim introduces himself. So that Trent Krim, the independent, the independent. there is, I think if, a big if, if this theory is true, that it was actually maybe not Trent Krim and it's some sort of setup or something to create strife, burn Nate, and also burn Ted, that it is something cooked up by Rupert, one of his cronies, to, because maybe, I mean, Nate might have told Rupert. Nate and Rupert, we saw that shitty, whatever that shitty little aside was at the funeral. Sick at all. That, that Rupert, told, at the funeral. Rupert told Nate, just pure shit coming out of his mouth into Nate's ears, like pure evil. So that could have formulated and that could have formulated into something. I mean, cause we're getting led. I mean, heavy, we have Nate, you know, Nate complaining about Ted taking credit for his play. Don't you want to be in charge? The weird thing where he tries to misreads the shit out of his situation, tries to kiss Keely, goes back, spits on the oh. mirror. Like he's full heel, full villain at this point. Like where any, he, he's bitching at will. Like this is all adding up. Are we being suckered? Are they going to pull the rug out from under us? I think we are. It's not to say that Nate didn't leak it. It's not to say that Nate doesn't deserve to be called out for what he did. It's just, it doesn't add up with what we know about Trent. Trent has been painted from the beginning to be this model journalist. And I realize ethical standards, whatever. It, it doesn't make sense from a story perspective. Why would you burn Nate? And if you're Trent, why would you burn a public figure who can tell people you burned him? No one's going to listen to you again. No one's going to talk to you again. He's supposed to be covering this club and he burns a coach. It doesn't add up. Yeah. I feel like I'm one, I'm one good, one more good theory away from turning into Charlie day. That meme of him at like the board with all the conspiracies, like lining stuff up. With the person. I feel like I feel like I'm close. Um, That's, I mean, that's the thing. And so you also, you texted me. I need, I need to find the the exact words because it was a great, well, it was, it was a great text because Nate Season one, Nate, especially early Nate, we felt bad for him. We pitied him. We liked him. He was precious. He's the guy with the boxes he's making with his niece. He's been bullied. You know, we're happy when Roy stands up for him by the season two finale. He is, he is our biggest villain at this point. We have we're Rupert is kind of out of, out of the game for the most part, but that, that sneaky motherfucker is coming back next episode. Guaranteed. Um, He, but Nate is, is the guy who is, you know, we, we, we've got all our animosity towards him. And you said, I, I texted you, I said, Nate went full villain. And you said, I will never forgive him until they inevitably put him on track to redemption next season. What does redemption look like for Nate at this point? I mean, I think it had like, the thing is the person who always sees good in people and will never give up on anyone in the world is Ted Lasso. And that redemption could start at the end of next episode, where if it turns out that Nate burned Ted and Nate gave this up and wanted to, to sacrifice Ted so he could be a head coach or he could, you know, feel better about himself in some form or fashion, Ted Lasso is going to be the first one to tell Nate, I feel like, like, I forgive you. I don't know, because the difference is he forgave Rebecca because Rebecca didn't know better. She didn't know Ted. Her plan was in place before she got to know him. He forgave JV because JV was a dick to everyone. He wasn't specifically a dick to Ted. Like he was, but I mean, he wasn't only Ted, right? For someone like Nate to do something like that is a very targeted act of betrayal. I don't think Ted forgives him that easily. I don't think he says he's not worthy of forgiveness, but I think this season, like Ted has learned he's got to stand up for himself too. And he can't just lie down and let people walk all over him. This is the first, I'm thinking because I don't want to be wrong when I say this. This is the first thing in the show where somebody has specifically known who he is, gotten to know him, saw him in a vulnerable moment and used it against him. Nobody else has done that. They might've done it generally just because they're like, oh, get him out. Not because of who he was though. It was because they had their own agenda beforehand and they did not. So... I'm not saying Ted won't analyze it like 
what happened here? Because there, there is a lot of butt made. I mean, I think to me, I, it wasn't my favorite scene just personally, but I do think the most powerful scene was where he kisses Keely and then he goes in the room and he has a tear fall down his cheeks before he spits on the mirror. This is a man who's very disturbed. You know, I don't think we can deny that. I just don't think this is a typical situation where Ted's going to be like, oh, okay, you've got stuff going on. I mean, he took his most vulnerable moment and threw it in his face. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has done that to him so far. That's a really good point. And, and it's the ultimate betrayal because, and Ted's not going to look at things like this, I don't think, but without Ted, Nate is, Nate is back being not shit. Nate yep. would, if Ted had never showed up at AFC Richmond, he would have been the groundskeeper. He probably would have been let go to hire someone cheaper at some point. He wouldn't have been thought of by anyone in that building. And yeah. Ted has brought Nate to these, you know, he's made him a coach and he's given him confidence and power. And all that has then suddenly turned against Ted into this incredible betrayal. And it's just, it's been, I re, I mean, that, that scene, it was the most powerful scene. I think when, when he kisses Keely and this, this thing's going on, but like we reached the point where I'm full on cringing when Nate is on camera. Like I'm uneasy. I don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't feel good. That's the least good I've, I felt watching the show is when they were, cause you knew it kind of like quick when Keely and that stylist were like looking up and down Nate, you just, you just knew he was not this, he, this was not something he could handle. Yeah. And I think too, it took before Rupert said anything to him, his aggression was taken out on everybody, but Ted, you notice like when, when Beard called him, called him out, like Ted doesn't know, does he at Christmas, he gives them the picture frame. Like, thank you for everything you've done for me. He was very like, you know, reverential toward Ted. He did not turn on him until after the funeral episode where suddenly he saw him as somebody who was taking all the credit. And even Roy is like, that's the job. Like that's what we're here for. But he didn't have this vendetta against Ted. So it's funny because even though like, I don't know how many episodes ago I said this is how it was going to happen. Like he was going to sell him out. I didn't know where his motivation was going to be or where it would come from. So I thought maybe I was wrong. And I think something happened with Rupert where he sees him as like, you're stealing all the credit from me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of that classic thing. Like, don't you want to be, you know, don't you want to be the one who's in charge? Don't you want to be the one who gets all the credit? I mean, that's a, it's it's jealous. It's, it's jealousy. Nate has, has had this, this come up in his life, but he's still, he hasn't gotten the approval of his father. Clearly he doesn't get, you know, he, and he got that taste after, you know, he does the, the whole wonderkin thing and all that stuff. He gets that taste of it. Mm-hmm. And he just wants that more and more and more. Whereas Roy Kent, someone who, you know, he says, that's the job, son. Like that's, that's what we're here for. Roy Kent has never, you know, he he's fine. He's comfortable in his own body. He's been comfortable in his own body mm-hmm. for, for years. He's, he's, you know, th- things have gone fine for Roy Kent and Nate is, I'm sure, I'm sure that what you texted me, they're going to set him on this path through redemption. I mean, do you think this show ends whenever, you know, season three and Nate is like in a villain, in a Bond villain's lair with like an eye patch and a bald cat and just (laughs) plotting his revenge against Ted Lasso? I don't think you leave with any villains in the show and knowing we only have one more season to wrap it up. It shows you like everybody's got to be on the path. Like it may not end up the way we wanted it to for them. They're not going to end up being mad or mean or anything. It'll probably end up with Ted going back to America and like, there'll be a whole like goodbye. Or sassy fine. dancing at Rupert's funeral, which I would be I mean, all for that being the last scene. Fair. <laughs> Very fair. Because then, I mean, technically we end up with no villains if Rupert has a funeral. That's true. We're, we're right. all, all out of villains. Uh, let's jump from, from all that Nate talk to uh, what's the funniest one-liner or your favorite under the radar joke in this one. I don't know if it's under the radar. I guess sort of um, it's for Ted. <laughs> Ted's in the office uh, with Rebecca. And he says, where are we at with cloning these days? Then Scottish folks have been quiet on that front for a while. That means we've got to be, we be close. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so funny. I also this episode like, had um, a big Y2K vibe between NSYNC and the, the, the Scottish folks cloning that, that sheep, right? That I can't sheep, remember the sheep's Dolly, name. Dolly. Dolly. Sally sheep. That was the yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And then I liked the whole Roy to beard. And he's like, you think my eyebrows are crazy? No, they're psychotic. But it was very good. <laughs> Roy also with it. This isn't black. This is dark Heather charcoal. 
which uh, shouts to Aziz Ansari and, and Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec with all the all the shades of black. One of my favorites. That's true. That is true. I thought of that as well. Ted also Very had the fun. the limbo, great party game, horrible relationship status. I love that. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Again, it was brilliant writing. They do, as we know, they do well with the writing on this. They show. do. They do. Is there anything else about this episode that worked that we haven't touched on? I thought it was altogether like very good. It's just it personally, and it was this time last year we were getting ready for the season one finale. I say we, it was me and the other three people at Rupert's funeral who were watching. The show. It, it was you. It was you and the British <laughs> listeners. It was me and the British listeners watching the show last year. There was not this tension. It's kind of like what we said at the beginning. The biggest tension was like, are they gonna be relegated? And now it's like, we ha- we don't know if Roy and Keely are going to end up together. We don't know what's going to happen with Nate. We don't know what's going to happen with Sam or Rebecca. We don't know what's going to happen with Ted. What about Dr. Sharon? Are Jane and Beard going to be together? We have so many questions. All the questions. Speaking of Dr. Sharon, Dr. Sharon, one of the things that worked for me is when Ted, uh, Irish Goodbyser, leaves the uh, army man in the beer. She says, son of a bitch stole my move, which she, she dropped the Goodwill hunting reference, which I just, yeah. just love. R.I.P. Robin Williams, the true Lord. Um, <laughs> something else. I want uh, someone to finance Higgins's play that he goes on about how he, he wrote a play once. I would I would like to see that finance, maybe in like puppet form or something like that. I forgot about that. Yes, I too would like to watch that play. God bless. God bless Higgins. <laughs> Um, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that didn't work that we haven't talked about. I mean, it's, it's not stuff that didn't work, but it's like, I was just uncomfortable for a lot of this episode between Nate. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. I feel, I feel better about Roy and the teacher now, but when he was there for so long, I was like, what is, what is going on? Um, and then the, you know, the whole thing with, with Rebecca, what, what to you, um, what was the best Ted moment of this one? I mean, I think reading the letter, I'm with you. We've already seen Jason Zanigas. It's just incredible. Not that he needs an Emmy to prove that, but I've been a fan for a long time. Um, but I just thought he's just so good. And I think moments like that, where your job is literally to react to reading a letter that you go from extreme anger. What did you say? I'm not going to read your stupid ass. <laughs> you go from being so mad. To whatever that said, moving you in such a profound way that it kind of turns you up inside. You can tell doing that in his eyebrows and his face. And, you know, I think anybody could probably fake a good scene. I don't want to say anybody. It's just like, we're, oh, I, I feel like a lot of people listening to this were probably in drama or musical theater in college. I <laughs> like I was. I think anyone can get through a scene where you're having to emote, right? And you're shouting and blah, blah, blah. You can get through it. I think it takes a lot of talent to get through something like that where you've got to be able to tell the audience something just your face that is so much pressure and i thought he did it beautifully yeah it, it just a wonderful wonderful sudeikis episode he also had a line something jacqueline pointed out in a second rewatch the uh, he tells it to rebecca the listen to your gut and on your way down to your gut check in with your heart i'm not sure rebecca got the message the way ted was intending I'm not sure that that's that's what he would have advised but i thought that was very good advice I thought that was his point, though, is he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do here. It's kind of like we said earlier, like, you don't want to tell someone to do something. You might make a mistake on the path to enlightenment, right? <laughs> you might make a misstep. And I think she might have done that. And it was, but it also, it's very human. And we can't forget that the show is very good at capturing human moments. And aren't we all a mess? That's aren't true. we? Oh, right? Yeah. Like, we're, just, I mean, we're messy, messy people. Yeah. And it, if there's one thing the show it's it's funny it starts out early on we think like we think the world is ted lasso and is like is this guy just the perfect person and like no this guy is just as broken as the rest of us and it's it's one of the Which best things that this yeah it's one of the best things that the show <laughs> has done is kind of tear down ted lasso a little bit i feel like the first season i've said this a lot on twitter i probably said it here too the first season gave us this idea of like a person we could aspire to be and this season gave us, in terms of Ted, gave us an idea of a person we should aspire to accept about ourselves. You know, like there's mm-hmm. still potential for greatness, no matter how much of a mess you might be or how much of a mess your personal life is or your quirks or your therapy or whatever. It's like we're seeing an entire person. It doesn't make him any less admirable. It doesn't make the idea of Ted any less, any less aspirational. Like he 
his intentions are good. And I think that's what we should all aspire to be. But now we're just seeing more like he's not a perfect person. He still is that person. He still tries to be his best self every day and he fails every day. We need to see that. I think. Yeah. If you want to aspire to be the same peak or the same mission that Ted has for everyone, that what he says, what he says, uh, last episode, the, the thing about, I never wanted to let anyone get by me without knowing they were hurting inside. And that, that that's the entire lasso ethos connecting with people. Um, you know, just, just being there for people. If you want to aspire to that, you also need to work on you, which is the uh, Ted, yeah. Ted is having to work on him to get to that as well. Um, so this show just great with that. Uh, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I can tell you right now it's not Nate and it's not Trent Krim. Keely. It's, it, I mean, Keely great in this one. Special Incredible. shouts to Higgins, special shouts to Higgins because we haven't <laughs> talked about him, him knowing everyone's birthday, including Osama bin Laden. He knows it's Osama bin Laden's birthday. Do you know what's funny about that? Yesterday with my, which if you're listening on Thursday, this would be Sunday on October 3rd, my son's birthday. And we went to a party and we invited some parents and their kids that we know. And the, this one parent, Justin, he doesn't listen, but <laughs> he sat down and he's like, so, and Jack is my son. He's like, who, who does Jack share a birthday with? Who are his celebrity birthdays? He looks it up, you know, and, and he's like, man, my kid got the worst one. He got like Osama bin Laden, Sharon Stone. <laughs> I was like, what's <laughs> I was like, really? I know his birthday. So. <laughs> Hey, that's it's useful for me. I I need to tell that guy I will, I will not stand for the Sharon Stone slander. Yeah, what do you think of Sharon Stone? Wonderful in Casino and Basic Instinct. Um, but uh, yeah, Keely is uh, Keely is is best supporting character. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, shouts to Jamie Tart's dance moves. Um, okay, so questions we want answered theories we want to get out there do we want to do you want to lay any lay any claims i will i will lay my i've stuck to this one for a couple weeks i've told you i think the season ends with ted not being the coach of afc richmond i think it's a leave of absence i don't think rebecca's is going to let him go or anything like that i think it could be a leave of absence some some situation like that like i could see it like i want to believe that it's not out of the question for the story at this point, and as of today, like the Premier League has invested $625,000 in a licensing deal, which had Lasso. I don't see them essentially relegating their main character. However, I've been wrong about 99% of my team. <laughs> you could totally be right. I, I could see, I, I get what you're saying though. Like I could see him taking a role where maybe he has more support. I don't know. I, I mean, I could see a scene where he's telling Beard and Roy and even Nate after Nate has groveled at Ted's feet or something along those lines of like, I need to work on me and I can't, I can't do this right now. They're going to the, you know, they say they, I think they're going to advance to the premier league, all that thing. And Ted's going to say, you know, this, this ain't for me. The team moves on Ted leaves. It's a real Ireland wins, but crumb catches the snitch situation for all my Harry Potter nerds out there. Uh, you know, I, so something like that, I mean, I, I think Rupert might meddle in some way, but I, I think we will at least start season three with Ted not being the, the head coach of AFC Richmond. I don't like, I'm going to leave that up to you because I haven't really, I mean, Ted has really taken a back seat this year as dramatic as his stuff has been. He hasn't been at the forefront of my thinking most of the time. So like, for me, my question is what happens with Roy Jamie Keeley? You know, because like Roy and Jamie, obviously in a good place. Jamie is growing up. But Roy and Keely, like, I'm not saying it's a question that needs to be answered. Many healthy relationships go through what they're going through. And I think it's important we've seen that. I just feel like Keely, it's not about Roy or Jamie. I feel like Keely wants to choose herself. And I wonder if she's going to do that. Would you be more surprised if the season ends with Roy and Keely? broken up or on a break or Roy proposing if he proposes I won't be happy with that because that's not that would be a reactionary proposal and I remember beginning of the season what did I say oh my god he's totally gonna <laughs> like what if that Christmas scene is a proposal um no if he does that he's not listening to what their relationship needs like they don't need more structure they don't need more of a promise what they need is like listening to each other 
and listening to what those things mean. They, they're not necessarily red flags. They're not like signs they need to be broken up, but they need to listen to each other and figure out where they fit into that. Speaking of Roy and, and Keely, this show doesn't, as we know, doesn't do anything that isn't intentional, doesn't really leave loose ends untied. Why is Phoebe the world's most, like the best eight-year-old at drawing boobs ever? Why they, they didn't bring that up for no reason. Well, my first thought was, oh my God, she's seen something of Keely's. That's, that's However, I was like, Keely's got like a boob statue or something. However, maybe a statue, yes. My thought was maybe she saw some dudes of Keely's, but as we learned in the Christmas episode, Keely has a tattoo on her rib, right? She's got it like, and those tattoos do not show up in the drawing, so I don't think they're Keely's, but they are very specific, so I don't know. They very, very specific, detailed boobs <laughs> on her drawings. Like what? But it's not like they brought I. I honestly, if they like end episode 12 without discussing that, I'm going to, that's going to be the biggest, like what the fuck of the entire season. Well, we'll have a good show then. Won't we? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a good podcast. Yeah. I don't know. Um, do you want to, I, I actually, I have an, another thing. I, I don't know if this is a predict. I feel like beard is good. Beard is going to have a confrontation with Nate. There's going to be, we've yeah. had the beard has kept seeing Nate being shitty. He's talked to him once before. It clearly hasn't worked. He saw him be shitty to Will today. And now Nate has, you know, Beard loves Ted Lasso with all his heart. And Nate has, has come for his mans. So I, I think there's going to be some sort of Beard-Nate confrontation. I don't know where Beard is going to take it. Is it going to be like father disappointed in child? Is it going to be angry man screaming? I don't know. Uh, there's a, again, there's a difference because what Nate has done is not lashing out at whomever is in his path, which has been kind of the thing that Rebecca did, that Jamie did, that all these people have done. He is specifically targeting Ted. That's a difference. Like, I, I just don't see, and especially after Nate has seen, Nate's been the one witness that's going to tie all this together because at this point, Ted's kind of clueless. Like, he's seen Nate lose his shit a few times. But not in a way that's given him pause. He doesn't have any reason to think he's a serious problem. I think when Beard gets wind, it's going to be bad. I'm looking forward to that because I've been we've we've been wait. I mean, we've been watching Beard. You know, give Nate those looks. He's been seeing it. I'm I'm ready for that, Alex. I'm not letting you off this episode without without dropping a theory. You have to make a prediction. You have to stake your claim for something. Oh, come on. Um. I, I do think, I really do think Keely's going to end. I, I think she's going to break things off with Roy. Not in a, I don't want to be with you way, but in a, she just wants to choose herself for a little bit way. I really do. In season one, we started out rating these episodes on a scale of one to five biscuits before we realized that that was very stupid. <laughs> and all the episodes were five biscuits. Way I forgot back about when, that. Way back when in the season one days. The finale, your prediction for the finale, how many tissues are you going to need? I mean, I thought like a baby in season one. And when you look back on that now, that was pretty mild. Yeah. So I'm going to say a whole box. Whole box ha have they released a, a runtime yet? I don't think so. They might have. I haven't looked. Surprisingly, yeah. I haven't looked. Well, we will be back next week recapping the Ted Lasso season two finale. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, hope everyone enjoys the finale episode, which drops tonight. Time of recording should be an, an absolute, absolute emotional banger. Uh, and Alex, let me be the first to wish you an early happy birthday day of recording. It is your birthday tomorrow. By the time you folks are listening to this, Alex will have had her birthday. It will have gone, come and pass, but happy birthday to you, Alex. Thank you. By the time they listen to this, I will have been 35 for two days. So. And, and my birthday present to you is making you tell the folks where the content is for the win. <laughs> How can they get there? Hey, you Kyle. Um, you can find me at stw.usaday.com or you can follow me at Alex and Daniel on various platforms. We've done this before, et cetera, et cetera. Just Google me. You'll find something. 
You folks know the drill. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate, and leave a review if you're an Apple podcast. Patreon.com slash Big Screen Sports if you want to support the show. We'll be back next Monday with Over the Top, returning guest Mike Camerlingo on for that one, the premiere movie about arm wrestling truck drivers. And then we'll be back on Thursday with the Ted Lasso season two finale. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.